As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Mark Chapman, welcome to the England show on The Athletic. The group stages of Euro 2020 are over. England are in the knockout stages, one match away from the quarterfinals, but also 120 minutes away from a possible penalty shootout with Germany. So alongside me today, I have David Priest, former professional goalkeeper turned journalist, The Athletic's Jack Pitt-Brook, and also Ben Littleton, author of 12 Yards, The Definitive Study of the Art and Psychology of the Perfect Penalty Kick. Now, whilst there have been some successes, England and penalty shootouts have an infamous past. As the final whistle goes. And what we're going to get now is a penalty shootout. So now Stuart Pearce, who's uh, done the job for Nottingham Forest, can he do it for England? Save from Hernan Crespo in San Etienne 20 years ago. No England keeper has saved a penalty in a shootout since then. He's put Eric Dyer on the verge of winning this cup tie for England. So you heard there Southgate, Waddle, Pierce, to name just a few uh, with Jack and David and Ben, first of all. Let's find out which of the bad ones you remember the most and why. David, you go first. Well, it, it has to be 1990 for me. I mean, it's it's probably the most prominent one for, for all of us of our age. 
but it, it's it's also on the other side of it, it's also a story of redemption for for Stuart Pierce as well. So there's a at least there's a bit of a happy ending to that one. But um, yeah, I'd have to say 1990 just because I was I must have been about 13, 14 at the time, and that uh, and it was it was, it was <laughs> yeah. I think everyone was distraught when it was uh, you know eventually when Chris Waddle blazed that one over the bar and it's it's, it's just a case of, especially being in the semi final so close and. Yet so far, quarterfinals like we've done in the past against Portugal, people like that, and and um, in Argentina, you kind of take them on the chin, but that one hurt. Ben, I'm going to have to go for the 2006 World Cup as the absolute lowest point of England's penalty rubbishness. It practically became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Really, Rooney was sent off after one hour, and Portugal spent the next 60 minutes playing for penalties, playing for a draw as they thought they'd have a better chance of winning on penalties. And sure enough, Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard, two players who are normally so reliable for their clubs, both uh, had their penalties saved. And then Jamie Carragher stepped up. He scored, but he hadn't waited for the referee's whistle. I still don't know if he knew that he had to wait for the referee to blow his whistle before <laughs> he could take the penalty. He was rushing so much. He was so desperate to get it over with. So to score one penalty in a shootout, out of four, uh, that one really uh, w- w- was the low point for me. I would always go the Euro 96 one, I think, really, just because of uh, age. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, David says, where you, where you go back to us, as we've discussed on this podcast before, that was like a free summer in between finishing university and starting work. It was joyous. It was a joyous atmosphere around the country and then everything just fell apart that night with Gareth Southgate's penalty miss so that's one that would always stick in my mind Jack for you I think I'd probably say France 98 over Euro 96 uh, just because I think in for Euro 96 I was eight and I couldn't quite grasp the gravity of it and didn't quite realize how awful it was but then to see the same thing happen again two years later in 1998 I think was enough for me uh, so that was the worst, but obviously 2004 and 2006 were horrendous as well. The uh, the sadness of the 98 one, which I'm sure we're all we're all aware of, and uh, and people who who studied the media will be very much aware of, is that that actually that penalty shootout, Jack, was one of Brian Moore's greatest regrets as a as a commentator, one of the legendary commentators that he put Kevin Keegan on the spot as to whether David Batty would would score or not, which is uh, no, just an impossible question. <laughs> but possible question to answer with any kind of insight, which is why I think Brian always regretted that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he did, but it kind of... I can totally see why he do that. I mean, it's such a... Uh, it's a hugely momentous, I don't know, 10, 20-second gap to fill. Like, there's not... There's no there's no point in describing what's happening on the screen because everybody watching at home can, you know, can see that David Batty is walking up to take the kick. And it could have been the most perfect moment. If if Keegan had said yes and then Batty had scored, it would have been amazing. That said, it also would have been amazing the other way around if he'd said, uh, if Keegan said Batty would miss and then Batty scored. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's a really great read on The Athletic at the moment on the anxiety and misery, really, of England and penalties. It's well worth reading. And of course, when whenever we need a combination of misery and anxiety, the person we get to write the article is George Culkin. It is the walk. A penalty shootout means the walk, and the walk is the bit where football stops where this game of instinct, noise and mayhem is reduced to stillness. There is no scope to think until that epic trudge when, pushed to the limit of physical endurance after a draining game, an intense tournament, a wearing season, think is all you can do when your mind becomes an enemy. To understand the miss and how it feels, you must first understand the walk, the only time footballers are both integral to the outcome and profoundly alone. A team game, a collective, will soon be boiled down to a gladiatorial confrontation, to you against the goalkeeper. But for now, it is just you. You against you. Little wonder it turns players into philosophers. Thank you.
Uh, so to read that piece in full, it is a fantastic piece. You can subscribe to The Athletic right now for a special price of just a pound a month for six months. It's our best ever offer, theathletic.com slash England pod to sign up. Uh, one pound a month for six months. Ben, you feature a lot in this article because of your book. So before before we just discuss how to take a penalty and everything that goes into it, and also what it's like from the goalkeeper's point of view with David, um, why write the book? What was the thinking behind it? What what was your background to write it? Well, England had lost six out of seven shootouts, and I was just getting a bit fed up. And after every shootout defeat, every coach said, it's just a lottery. We're really unlucky. You can't practice this. There's, there's nothing to be done about it. We're just really unlucky. But I just felt really if I'd explored that a bit further, is that true or not? So I spent two years traveling the world, speaking to experts, speaking to a player from every team that had beaten England in a penalty shootout, loads of players who'd taken penalties for England, and also doctors, psychologists, coaches, commentators, everyone connected with a team and a tournament. And I realized that actually it's not a lottery and there are ways you can improve your chances at winning a penalty shootout. And so I wrote a book about it. And since then, England have won two penalty shootouts out of two. (laughs) Gareth Southgate has read it then, has he? I have no idea. He hasn't told me. (laughs) Um, what, What comes across in the piece and in the book is that, as you say, it's most definitely not a lottery and that so much goes into it, uh, um, both physically and mentally. But because so much goes into it, Ben, to actually recreate the conditions of taking a penalty in a tournament is nigh on impossible. Well, that's absolutely correct. That You definitely cannot recreate the conditions, which is quite an easy thing for all the coaches of failed teams to say but what you can do is try and come close to replicating some conditions so for example in 2006 there was a picture of England players practicing penalties before a training session under Ericsson and all the players were standing on the edge of the penalty area and each one had a ball at their feet right so there's so many things just looking at that picture that stood out to me as wrong You don't take a penalty in a shootout at the beginning of a match. You take it at the end. You don't have the ball at your feet on the edge of the area when you start your approach to the penalty. Um, And so there seemed to be no competitive element as well. So what I know that the England team has been doing under Gareth Southgate, who admitted and said clearly that penalties are a trainable skill that can be improved. They are a part of football that you can work on and improve. They're not just a thing that you leave and, and hope for the best at. So there are things you can do. An obvious one is practicing the walk, which I know the England team did before the 2018 World Cup. Practicing taking penalties after 120 minutes of training. So you know what it's like to take a penalty when your legs are fatigued, when your mind is tired. George said in his excellent piece that the Chris Waddle who took a penalty at the end of the 1990 semi-final against Germany was a totally different person and athlete to the one at the beginning of the game. He'd lost half a stone in that game, had Chris. So, so he was physically at his weakest moment when he took the penalty. So if you're practising in some conditions that can replicate it a little bit and then you add in a competitive element, you're just trying to normalise a very stressful situation. And if you spend four years fearing that moment and spend all of extra time being scared about the penalty shootout, as England players have admitted to in the past as well, then not only would you play worse in extra time, you're also more likely to execute a worse penalty when it comes to it. So I think what Southgate has done is normalised the situation, got players to really focus on that the management speak is owning the shootout. So you're basically in control of your own destiny. And so you know way before the match what number you'll be kicking, where you'll be kicking. So you don't have to make any of these really important decisions at moments of high emotional stress, which is a totally different scenario to what happened in the past. And, you know, I know it's a very small sample, only two shootouts, but you can see already 
the differences in penalty execution and ultimately results as well. Does that make sense, David? Yeah, it does. And, and I mean, you, you can't replicate, like I said, we can't replicate the, the actual situations. And you maybe can't, um, uh, you know, do anything about the, the physical fatigue that players have. But of course, there's things you can do to negate that, you know. And as Gareth Southgate was said there, as, as Ben said, you know, if it is a skill or, or there's an art to it, then even if you're brilliant at that skill, if you can't regulate your emotional state, then there's, it doesn't matter about that. And I think that's one of the biggest parts of it, especially from a goalkeeper's perspective. I think, I'm not sure if, if anybody's watching the, the, the National League penalty shootout uh, at the weekend. Keeper scores the, the equalising goal. He saves the first two penalty. You see, so pumped. And he's trying to put the, uh, the the opposition off by you know shouting at them and uh, distracting them, and he just and eventually just gets too pumped, and you just think there's no emotional control there. So if if he was skillful at saving penalties, a lot of that would go out the window, and he's just going on pure emotion now. So it's the same with you know it, it, if you take the goalkeeper situation and the player situation, that walk that the player does. You know, it's it's thinking time. It's time when you know thoughts invade, and it can be a terrible moment. But also, look at the other side of it. Goalkeepers, what what what's a goalkeeper doing to regulate his emotional state when he's at the side of the pitch? Fifty percent of the time, is it the opposition opposition's end of the pitch with their fans? You know what they're thinking about at those times. You know, it, it is what's happening in the previous penalty. Is that beat affecting him as well? How is he using that time? So again, it can still be. It doesn't mean that. These penalty shootouts are uh, um, they're not the no-lose situation that people make them out to be. This, you know, you look statistically, you're still expected to, to, to save at least one, maybe two of those penalties in the shootout. So if you don't do that, and especially if you don't get near any of them, there's still that responsibility lies on your shoulder as well. So you still feel that. So it's, it's by no means no-lose situation. I mean, I didn't think I'd be talking about Hartlepool against Torquay in this, uh, in, in this podcast, but, but why not? You have to have sympathy there, don't you? I mean, if you score a penalty and then save the next two, it must be very hard not to be pumped up. <laughs> I mean, it takes a very, very special human being to kind of rain yeah, it but, in. But that's the it? game. It's the it, it, it it's it's the it's yeah. the goal, you know, yeah. it, it, during the game you can make a fantastic save. You know, you're high-fiving everybody and you know you feel on top of the world. They swing a corner and you make a stupid decision to try and come and take it because you feel like you're like you said, you you feel like you're on top of the world. You know, it's about that emotional control. David, do you think that's what went wrong with Joe Hart when England lost to Italy on penalties in Euro 2012? There is that because you can see that, you know, he's really pumped up, but also that the distraction techniques that he's obviously trying to use, trying to shout at the player, uh, the opposition and, and put them off. One, it's probably, for me, it's probably the, the least advantageous you could use for it. Now, if we go back to the first uh, first shootout against Portugal in 2004, you look at what Ricardo did in that shootout. For the very last penalty against Darius Vassell, he took his gloves off. No, so that's it's a very subtle, but it's a massive power move to me almost to say, well, I don't need these to, to save your penalty. And whether that was part of how why he saved it, it's, you know, nobody knows, but it is a, it's a psychological power move. And I just think that from a goalkeeper's perspective, if you're going to try this uh, distraction techniques and try and disrupt there, I think it's, uh, Ben might know more about this, but it's like the double ODA loop, when it's the sequence that a player goes through when he's, he's taking the penalty. If you try and disrupt that by doing something different, like we've seen in uh, League on this season uh, when Neymar missed the penalty and the goalkeepers stood to the side, at one side of the goal, Scott Carson's done it a couple of times, I've seen it success. Things like that are probably more helpful because you're more in control. It's a more controlled way of putting the opposition off rather than jumping up and down, screaming. And in my mind, you, you, you're putting yourself off there and you disrupt disrupting your own sort of um, processes. I spoke to Ricardo about that shootout and the 2006 one, and he had never taken his gloves off before to put off a player. Mm. And he didn't really know why he did it. He couldn't really explain what he was thinking, but he just felt it was the right thing to mm. do 
at that time. And then, of course, he saved the penalty and took the next penalty to, to win the shootout. After that, Sven Juran Eriksson signed him for Leicester City, where on his first day, he turned up in the dressing room and there was Darius Vassell. So all his teammates were like, oh, it's Ricardo and Darius Vassell. Look at you two together. Um, let's get you out and, and get you taking a penalty, Darius. See if you can see if you can exercise <laughs> this ghost. No, Vassell was like quite a shy guy. He was like, okay, I'll do this. Ricardo, very um, exuberant and flamboyant. was like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. This is great. So they go to the training grounds. You can never guess what happened. Ricardo saved it again. (laughs) (laughs) Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is The England Show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with all of our Euro 2020 podcasts and writing by following us at The Athletic UK. Control's the crux of all of this, isn't it? I mean, that, that's what Davis talked about and that's what you've talked about, Ben. And, and you would assume, Jack given the meticulous nature of, of Gareth Southgate, that all 26 players probably know the order that they would take a penalty in, depending who is on the pitch at the time, at the end of 120 minutes. You, you, I mean, that might sound slightly extreme, but there will be some version there where they all know where they would be in a lineup of penalty takers. I think so. Yeah, you know, I have such I have very clear memories of the England Columbia shootout in Moscow in 2018, and I remember afterwards Gareth Southgate talking through how much research they'd done on penalties and pointing to things like we knew in advance, or we know we know from our research that the first miss in a shootout is not always fatal, and that's why after Jordan Henderson missed his kick, which I think was England's third. England, you know, didn't get too upset. They didn't make another mistake. And England were basically perfect from in the shootout from then on. So clearly Southgate and his team have done a huge amount of research and they have a sense, I think, of what it takes to actually win one now. Because in the past, Ben, and, and this was Southgate's situation at, at Euro 96, the feeling was once you get beyond the fifth, that that everybody else didn't really want to take one and didn't know what they were or might not know what they're doing or might not be very good at it and so on and so forth. If you have the order pre-prepared, you're not in that situation of five people volunteering and then one of the others having to be singled out to go six. Well, that's right. Just look at the Europa League final. I mean, you got down to number 11 on that. Mm. And, I, and I think you're absolutely right. England's last shootout success was against Switzerland and, and it went to number six as well. That was Eric Dyer, who, who's not in the squad, um, despite scoring the winning penalty in the last two shootouts. But, you know, I don't, I don't think we'll miss him that much. But I, I think you're right and Jack is right. Southgate will have told the players roughly where they will be. And we're not in a situation where the coaches are scrabbling around looking for players to, to take a penalty and step up. And I should also say that Germany were doing that in 1996 themselves. So no one really wanted to take penalty number six until Southgate had missed it. And then there was like a rush to get the ball. Andreas Muller got the ball first and said, right, I'm taking this because it's obviously much easier. And in fact, statistically, the numbers say the chances of scoring to win a shootout are much, much higher because the player taking that penalty has the chance to be a hero, feels under less pressure. So... Other teams have also scrabbled around, but I think we're at the point now with research and analytics and proper preparation that the players on the pitch will know from 1 to 10 or 1 to 11 where they're, where they're going to be. And also, David, and you will have been in dressing rooms like this, I'm guessing as well, if you actually put that, if you actually put that uh, measure in place and put where everybody is going to be, then hopefully you do reduce that element of those players in the dressing room who will take a penalty, but they probably want to take four or five so they can get the glory or or six, as, as Ben says. You know, you know, if you take the second penalty, if you score it, great. If you miss it, well, 
there isn't the glory of going second. And yet the second might be crucial to, to set you know to set you up for a successful shootout. I think the, there will always be players who the last thing they want to do is take a penalty. Now, if you look at the England squad now, probably there aren't many that I would think would be uncomfortable doing it. I mean, technically, you know, you probably look at someone like Tyrone Mings, you know, if he was playing, would be well down. But apart from that, you know, like Sir John Stones and, and, and Harry Maguire, you know, you sent a half, so you, you would think would be uncomfortable. They wouldn't be uncomfortable at all. And I think it's just put them in order will give them a, a sort of some some time to prepare themselves for it rather than it being sprung on them or just thinking, oh, it'll never get to me. You know, it gives them time to prepare for themselves just to say, okay, I might be able to do it. But we were talking about Germany before and I was reading something about them where they were, um, you know, why they were so good at penalties in the past. And, and one of the techniques that they used was to not only give them the order that they were going to to take the penalties, but also the coaches would be the ones that told them where to place it. So then that gives that like, like shared responsibility that it's not all on me, you know, that if I put the ball where, where the coach tells me to, then it's not only my fault. And so that relieves a bit of the pressure as well. So there, there is different techniques they can use to, to make sure that it's not the ones that aren't accustomed to taking penalties, that they're not so much pressured. But also for a goalkeeper as well, the worst thing, you, the two worst things you can face in penalty takers really are ones that who haven't taken penalties before, so you've got no research on them whatsoever. So then it, it becomes more of a lottery, or someone who has missed their last penalty, and, and and so those two situations can put a little bit of doubt in your mind and in your preparation as well. Because on the second point, because. I don't know. Say they went to the keeper's right with their last penalty and missed it, and you know that that's their that's their favourite side. But then you're you're trying to second guess whether they'll still go there because it's their favourite side and the miss was a one off, or whether they'll change. Yes, exactly. And and ideally, you know, I've come across it this season in some of the work that I've done. If you have a, a penalty taker who's got who's taken a lot of penalties in his career, say twenty penalties in career. Quite often you do find these little sort of patterns that they do and a couple of penalties will stray from that, but they will have this this pattern that they use or that they have more variation and you can try and narrow it down a little bit to, to, to favour you. But then again, it, like I said, if they miss it, then it, it becomes a bit of a, a game of poker, you know, will they double bluff me, you know, put in the same place again, it's... Yeah, it's a real psychological war. So just let me explore this with you then, because this is fascinating, right? You've got a squad of 26 now at these Euros. I know only 23 are there on match day. Before a last 16 game, would you have information, would you want information on all 26 if they've taken a penalty? And then how much of that can you remember? And then if they then come up to take a penalty... How much are you basing it on what's up there that you've remembered in your research or how much are you watching how they stand, how they shape, etc.? Well, this doesn't change from uh, just a, a regular Premier League game because what they would do is you have, you have your... The, the players in the opposition who are used to taking penalties, who've got a history of uh, taking penalties. So you wouldn't just have... You know, you wouldn't just be researching one uh, penalty taker. It'd be like the top three or four. So that it, it, you'd have to prioritise in this situation. So the ones that are, you know that are going to, are more likely to play and more likely to take the first five penalties, then you'll you'll have your big focus on them. And that's when they're sort of then after that, that's kind of when the you know the notes on the back of the water bottle comes into it. But you'll still have access to all that. And I would say from the moment they knew that they were playing Germany, that those clips will be available to Jordan Pickford, so that any time he has five minutes just to sit down, you just go through them because. I also, it's difficult to transfer the, the experience from video into real life. Of course there is. But I'm fascinated by the, uh, the research that was done into baseball pitchers and batters and how that's the, uh, say like um, uh, Barry Bonds, who's like, of course, the, he, he's got the controversy around him, but one of the biggest hitters uh, in, in baseball history. Physically, his physical reactions were below average for a major league player. But what made him great was the fact that it was all the, he could 
pick up on a lot of the cues from the the arm action, the way it was released, because really the the, the speed the ball's coming at them, they're really predicting where the ball's going to come anyway. It's not a reaction thing. So if you compare that to, to football and penalties, there might be things that you can pick up, cues you can pick up on in the, the technique of these players. So even if you're, of course, you, you'll try hard to concentrate and remember everything. But if that knowledge is still in the in the back of your mind, when in these situations, more or less the, you know, your, your subconscious or unconscious takes over and you, that's where, you know, we talk about instinct. It's not really instinct. It doesn't just come from thin air. It comes from all that experience that you've got. And if you've got that in the back of your head, you might be able to pick up on little things in those split second moments, unconsciously. In the course of doing your book then, Ben, and, and you know, we've got into some real fine detail in some of the stuff we're talking about. Um, can can you overanalyze this? Can you drive yourself mad with this, which is essentially someone just smacking a ball from 12 yards away? Definitely. I mean, it should be the simplest thing. It should be the simplest thing for any professional footballer. If these guys are technically good enough to represent their countries at their national sport, they should be able to score a free shot from 12 yards every single time. But they don't. And so the subtitle to my book is The Art and Psychology of the Perfect Penalty. And they've all got the art because they're technically they're all incredible. But it's what David was talking about earlier. It's the psychology of it that can turn an elite athlete, someone who's at the top of their game, you know, someone even like Messi, who's one of the best players ever to have kicked a ball, into someone who can't convert a penalty. Maradona missed five penalties in a row. Messi's penalty record is 78%, which is bang average for a player who makes the extraordinary on the pitch seem ordinary. So this idea of working on the psychology of players regulating their self-control, making sure they're not overthinking it, but also not underthinking it, just getting that balance exactly right is what is key to something that really attracts and seduces us because we're seeing players often at their most vulnerable in a really stressful, tense situation. I mean, Shearer's brilliant in the article and, and Shearer was hugely successful in penalty shootouts and talks about how he hated every single one of them. And players talk about how bad it is in the centre circle. Well, I mean, forget the actual taking the penalty. I mean, and you've mentioned the walk, but even just waiting in the centre circle for the majority of them is, is the hardest part of, of the whole process. Yeah, so there was a study done on this after the Euro 2004 match between Sweden and Holland. And a professor of psychology interviewed 10 players who kicked penalties in that shootout, which is the most in-depth interview of players that have ever has ever been done about one shootout and he broke up the shootout into four phases and asked them at what points in the shootout were they most anxious so the four phases were the break after extra time so that's when the final whistle goes and you're you're in your huddle with the coach sorting out the order the weight in the center circle which is when the shootout has started and you're either watching your teammates or waiting to take a penalty yourself. The walk, which is what George focuses on um, in the article and is obviously really scary, or the point at which you reach the penalty spot. And these players, the Dutch and Swedish players, mostly said that the weight in the centre circle was the scariest moment for them. Because if they were taking a penalty, they were really worried about the penalty they were about to take. And if they weren't, they were nervous about their teammates missing and it was totally out of their control. So the sense that once you've started the walk, at least you're in control of the team's destiny, what you're about to do. A lot of players found it easier if they had a ball either at their feet or in their hands, because that is part being part of their comfort zone, I guess something they're comfortable with. So as soon as they're near the ball, they're back in their area of, of comfort. But that centre circle weight is, can be, very, very scary. So it's up to the coaches to provide coping mechanisms and strategies for the players to deal with that moment of stress. I, I always find that, Jack, that centre circle bit slightly odd because it brings them together as a collective when they might not all want to deal with it as a 
collective. I mean, and this isn't comparable by any means, but if I if I do an event or an award ceremony or whatever, before I actually go on stage to do it, I don't want to be surrounded by lots of people. I want to take myself off to and once I'm on stage, I feel completely comfortable, a bit like a footballer having the ball, Ben. But Beforehand, I don't want loads of people talking to me or jeering me up or whatever. I just need five minutes on my own before I then go out to do what I do. It's not comparable to taking a penalty shooter. But some of the guys who are about to take it might just want their own individual space and two minutes to get themselves together before they walk up. Not this collective, let's all have our arms around each other and and G each other up. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That's something that another thing that I think Southgate's focused a lot on during his time in charge has been uh, to do with mental execution under pressure and how you continue to take correct correct decisions when under pressure. And it's something where he's you know brought in external psychologists and looked at other sports teams who might not play football. But it's interesting, isn't it, to to think how you deal with that sort of thing. Like I, sometimes I'm, I'm sure Ben would know, know more about this, but I think sometimes people look down on you know the player or the coach who looks away during a shootout. Uh, because he doesn't want to be part of the collective, you know, going through it with his his teammates. But to me, that strikes me as a perfectly normal way of reacting. Like I, I often do that with football that I'm too tense about. I literally just turn the TV off or switch the channel over yes. because I don't want to watch it. Yes. It's perfectly normal. <laughs> it is. Ben? Well, Jack, you're not in my first five penalty takers for England. <laughs> <laughs> But honestly, Jack, Jack is so right there, Ben. You know, if you, if you if your team, I don't know, two one up going into the last four minutes of a derby, it, it's it's go out the put room. Put grand designs on. <laughs> yeah, put grand designs. Go out the room. Oh, I put can't grand watch designs it, yeah. on. Turn turn it off. I mean, it's the most ridiculous psychological tool because it doesn't affect it doesn't affect anything. And in fact, actually, your nerves become even worse because then you think, oh my god, what is? Whilst Kevin McLeod tells me about this amazing, you know, green eco building, what have my team done in stoppage time? Everyone responds to stress in different ways. And I think it is the job of Southgate and his team to understand that and to appreciate that and to recognise that. And so I think you're absolutely right, Jack, that there is actually no right way to respond to a stressful situation. But it is about working out which players are best suited at that specific moment to deliver and execute under pressure. And I think Southgate has really worked worked on that with his players, helped them with it. And I think body language is, is really important as well. And I'm sure David has probably worked on this, not only with goalkeepers, but with, with the whole team. And I think we've seen it. We've seen a kind of progression in England shootouts. So in the past, we've seen, as soon as an England player misses a shootout, focuses on the centre circle and the players look down, they all separate, they all swear under them under their breath, but pretty clearly and audibly. And they're really, really annoyed. And, you know, that's not a nice place to be for the player who's just missed, who's walking back to the group. And it's also pretty scary if you're the next one up because you don't want the players to swear at you or be cross with you. So it's an additional element of pressure. But I really noticed that when Jordan Henderson missed his penalty against Colombia, and as Jack said, you know, if you miss the first penalty, it's not the end of the world. You can still win the shootout. His head was held high. When he walked back to the, to the centre circle, you couldn't actually tell if he'd missed the penalty or if he'd scored it. And the reaction of the players as well was really significant because I don't think you could have told from the players' reaction whether he'd missed or scored it because they were controlling their emotions and welcoming back into the group. And it seems like a small thing, but it's actually really, really important. And I feel like Southgate has created a place and a team where there is psychological safety for all the players. And that means that the players will be less scared about failing and less worried about making mistakes. So when they're going to take their penalty, they won't be thinking, I must not miss, I must not miss. That obviously makes you more likely to miss, but they will be focusing on the process, which is one of Southgate's mantras as well. Focus on your execution. Make sure you spot the ball exactly right. Make sure you take the right number of steps. Put up your sock if you want. Don't forget to take an extra breath after the referee blows his whistle, which is another clear difference from a Southgate team to other England teams. I mentioned Carragher was rushing against Portugal. 
But all England players before Southgate was coached rushed their penalties before they took a penalty after the referee blew his whistle. But under Southgate, they have all taken much more time after the referee's whistle. Harry Kane waits at least five seconds against Villarreal. Marcus Rashford, who was the only England player, I think, taking a penalty for United in that shootout. He waited over seven seconds from when the referee blew his whistle to take his penalty. So these lessons are really creeping into the players' behaviours and they're changing their behaviours and then they're changing the results. David, on that body language point that Ben was talking about? The FA is concentrating on behaviours on the field and in the, the penalty shield situations, a lot of it is damage limitation. It's kind of you know not allowing the what's just happened to have a greater effect on the rest of the players, and it's just, it, of course, they're going to be disappointed, and the players back in the centre circle are going to be disappointed. But it's kind of just to limit how it affects the the next penalty taker and the other people that are going to go down as well. I think it's um yeah it, it it's good to see that the this side of the game that you know we've always we, we've had um psychologists in the game for a long time now but most of the time they've been firefighters people bring them into clubs and in, in the sides that are struggling so but to use them before tournaments and um, to make sure that they get the best out of what they can offer I wonder whether we have all seen and Jack maybe you go first then we'll get David's expertise but whether we have all seen over the years an, an increasing expectation that goalkeepers should save some of these penalties. So I, I don't necessarily remember that much in 1990, maybe there was, that Peter Shilton should have done more in that penalty shootout or David Seaman should have done more in, in Euro 96. The focus was always on Waddle, Pierce, Southgate, etc. I feel now, not necessarily with England, but in club football as well, goalkeepers are more scrutinised in penalty shootouts and, and people are more demanding, expecting them to play their part in putting their team through. Yeah, I wonder if that's just a function of access to information. Like now, you know, video analysis exists. Big teams have lots of guys who pour over the footage all the time. Jordan Pickford will have gone into the 2018 shootout against Colombia with just a totally different level of information than any, certainly than Shilton in 1990 or Seaman in 96, but probably even than Paul Robinson in 2006 as well. So in that sense, Pickford is better equipped. Um, I'd be interested to hear from Ben whether or not the, I mean, if that were true, then the overall percentage of penalties scored would have dropped over the course of the last 30 years. I don't know, Ben, if that's the case or not, but I'm sure we do have higher expectations of keepers. Yeah, it hasn't dropped because the advantage is still with the goal shooter and he also has data on the goalkeepers. But I think that fewer goal shooters use analytics to decide where they're going to take a penalty um, than goalkeepers. And in my experience, which is more limited than David's, not all goalkeepers want to go with the numbers. A lot of them still like to rely on their intuition and instincts, but David will know more. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, especially when you're researching penalties, in-game penalties, uh, it's in a regulation league game, you can do all the research you want, but at the end of the day, it's about the goalkeeper. And, you know, if they feel something at the time and they want to go a different way and sometimes it'll pay off, sometimes it doesn't, then it, it, it's down to them. But like I said, also it's about what we talk about there, the, the two types of thinking, whether it's, you know, problem solving or um, sort of the the un unconscious thinking that takes over that uses experiences. Sometimes, they, they, you know, players trust that. But but also there's a, there's a intangible as well. There's a, the belief that they're going to save it. I think, I don't know whether you, have, have you interviewed Diego Alves before? No. No. Obviously, Diego Alves had a, I think his save percentage was above 40%. And... He never really gave much away about, you know, any secrets. But what he did offer was to say that I think I'm going to save every penalty. Now, you know, you talk about Peter Shilton before. We've talked about the um, David De Gea got going a long time without saving penalties. Petacek went through a period of time as well. And, you know, there's no getting away from it that some goalkeepers do become bigger or, or do shrink in these situations. And it's the same with the, with the penalty takers. You know, you can sometimes you look at a player and you can just... 
they just look like they're, they're not confident. And um, so if you have that huge belief or I look at someone like Paul Robinson, actually in, I think he was um, 2006 Portugal uh, shootout. You see when he's going for the penalties, now they missed two penalties, but he dives like with everything he's got, he's got full commitment to the dive. Now whether that puts, you know, the, the, uh, the players see that they can, and it, that's what forces them to pull the ball wide of the goal. I don't know, but it's that gives you a, a kind of air of confidence as well. And, um, you know, that you're confident if you're going to go one way that you go all out rather than just half-hearted. And, and it looks to everyone around that he didn't know what he was doing there or he, he wasn't confident in doing it. So it's there's that side of it as well. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This is the English show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with all of our Euro 2020 podcasts and writing by following us at The Athletic UK. Let's get, uh, obviously, you know, this is just part of our build-up to England-Germany next week, so we might as well get a German voice on penalty shootouts. Here's the Athletics German football writer, Rafa Honigstein. So Germany and penalties, where should I start? I'd like to say it's a thing of mentality and of showing up and performing under pressure, but I'm not entirely sure. I think it might have to do more with technique and preparation. I mean, the last penalty shootout that I saw with Germany in 2016 didn't really quite go according to the stereotypes. I mean, Germany got very, very lucky having missed a couple, and a lot of the pens were very ropey, including the winning one from Jonas Hector. So... I feel it's it's almost wrong to play up Germany's ability for penalties at this stage, especially with the next game looming. So I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to tell you that, yeah, they can hit the ball quite cleanly. They have good goalkeepers, but that's probably it. So Rafa kind of busts the cliches there around Germany and penalties. So so to finish here, do you think we are now reappraising the penalty situation? We're both in lesser Germany because we haven't really discussed Germany, but with England. And actually, the woe is me England mentality with penalties of the last of 20 years ago, maybe 30 years ago, needs to actually be replaced with a greater confidence in the process and what we've seen with our own eyes over the last two or three penalty shootouts that England have been involved in. Jack? Yeah, I think uh, I feel like penalty shootouts are not something that we need to be scared of anymore. I feel like the that shootout win against Colombia was the single most important moment of Southgate's tenure. I mean, on a personal level, it was the best thing that I've ever seen in my career. And I just feel like if if I'm not saying England would even win a penalty shootout if they won on Tuesday, but I don't think that people would go into it with the same sick sense of terror now that England have shown that they can in fact win them. David, it's nothing to be afraid of now, and we should have confidence in it. And you've got to remember that you know there's some of the players in this group um, have got the benefit of winning a, a shootout as well from the last World Cup, so they have that experience as well. So that helps. There's no sort of, I don't know, there's no sort of um, anything holding them any negative thoughts that you know, and, and of what might have happened might happen now that happened before. But I think that. Um, you know, do, do penalty shootouts, you know, especially when it comes to the Germans, is it because, like Rafa says, is it just because they have better players and they have a, a stronger mindset? And I think that's been more case in the past. I agree with Jack and David. I think Southgate's greatest success as an England coach, whatever happens, apart from if we win a trophy, um, has been getting rid of England's penalty complex and ridding us of this trauma 
that has lasted for so, so many decades. I think he's taken his own experience and turned it into a massive positive. And I'm quite bullish about our chances if we're in a shootout again. I think there's no reason why we should certainly not fear the Germans from a shootout, which feels ironic. But as Rafa said, their last shootout against Italy, they actually missed three in their first five. And the players that missed were Müller, Ozil and Schweinsteiger, who were all big, iconic players. So I feel that the fear factor has totally gone. Add the fact in that winning and losing in penalty shootouts is a habit. So the more you lose, the more you tend to lose. The more you win, the more you go on to win. And Southgate has broken that cycle. He's broken that cycle of defeat. And so with two shootout victories behind us and a lot of players in this squad that have played in both of those shootouts and taken penalties in those shootouts, I'm all in on England. As long as we go first though, Ben, yeah? It does help. <laughs> which, which is all great. And, and all the preparation and all the psychology and taking a pe- practicing penalties after a 120-minute training session and all of that. But if it did go to penalties and it didn't go England's way, just... Oh, the only way to put this, Ben, is just sometimes shit happens. Yeah, that's right. And But you, you can only try and get the result by putting all the right preparation in place. And that hasn't happened in the past. So when England have lost shootouts in the past, the coach can't say, we did everything we possibly could to win that shootout. And I think if we lose a shootout now, and we may do, I think Southgate can turn around and say, we did everything we possibly could to win that shootout. And so if you're leaving everything out there, there's no shame in losing a shootout. And that's another thing that Southgate has rid the players of, this sense of embarrassment or shame at the prospect of failure. They're representing themselves, their teammates, their families and their country. And there is so much pride in all of those aspects that, you know, whether you score or not from 12 yards, you know, is, is kind of irrelevant. Such positivity to end this edition of the England pod. Thanks to uh, Ben and David and Jack. Uh, loads of great stuff on The Athletic at the moment. Uh, and you can read those articles and much more. Uh, by getting a subscription for just £1 a month for the next six months. Just go to theathletic.com slash Pod, and we will have plenty more on this feed as we build up to England against Germany next week. Thanks to everybody. Bye for now. The Athletic.